We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 551 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dean Hilton, and I do apologize to everybody for missing the five headlines after the Villarreal match, but I was somehow in worse shape than Barcelona was when they were up 3-2 with six minutes left to go against Villarreal. At this point, I, if those who are watching, well, especially I think for those who are listening, I'm currently in a, I showered and I'm doing a podcast, feeling better, but I'm not yet you know, managed to shave and look presentable and feeling in any way okay or sounding okay, better yet. So I'm still on the road to recovery. I appreciate all the good wishes and all the things that people sent to me as I, I really did. I woke up on Saturday having been not even in my own bed. I was visiting a friend and I woke up, thought I was hallucinating that Xavi was leaving and all this stuff. And I, I did not know reality from fiction, but that's where I was at. So to help me to see how long my voice holds out and to do a lot of the heavy lifting here, I have brought back on one-third of another one of the best Barcelona-centric podcasts. That is Siempre Positivo and some website called ESPN, if you ever heard it. It's Sam Marston. And Sam, I wish I had a better reason for you to come back on the show, but this is a pretty important reason, and there was no way I was getting through the show by myself. Yeah, it's a pretty extreme reaction, Dan, to, to Barca's performance against, against Villarreal on on Saturday, um, but you know, to switch it up, Frank Lampard seriously style. Hope you hope you get better soon. It's not nice being being ill, is it, and being being confined to home and missing that missing that fresh air. But yeah, I, I think it is a sad a sad podcast in it because at the end of the day, Javi is a is a club legend, and like he says, we tend to. I don't think it's just Barcelona. I think it's a thing in in life, and that we do tend to value things more when they're when they're gone, or as he said on on Friday, perhaps as a clue when they're starting to go. Well, yeah, I think for, for longtime listeners of my show, you know that over the years, Villarreal is this weird, I don't do this on purpose, but it's like always a game that I'm traveling for. It's, they was, it was Villarreal, like the, what was it, the second week of my honeymoon. And so like, I couldn't do the episode there. I was in Germany when it was with the 4-0 with Frankie de Young and Gavi and Pedri starting the midfield for the first time. And now I, again, for Villarreal, this one, I was like, oh, I just hope they Barcelona win like 3-1 or 3 nothing, and I can just do a five headlines the next day. But no, of course, Villarreal is always, seems like always something is happening. So, all right, Sam, if anybody for the last few days is somehow listening to this show and has living, been living under a rock or maybe lying in a bed with 102 fever, what has gone down at Football Club Barcelona 
in the last three days other than conceding five at home for the first time in more than 60 years. Yeah, I guess it's important and everyone will know the the backdrop. But it's important to remember the the last two months, I guess, going back to, I mean, you can probably pinpoint it. Some people may pinpoint it before, but if you go to the Girona game and look at those last 12 competitive games, at least since then, conceding four against Girona, the Almeria game when they they still conceded two and needed a late goal to beat the the bottom team and then you know the the results since even winning this year you know they've conceded two goals against uh, Barbasto they conceded two against Real Betis they've conceded just so many goals you know they conceded four against Madrid four against Athletic so it's important I guess to have that that backdrop this this Villarreal defeat while it was different to all of them it was much more chaotic it was much more. I don't really know what the what the word would be, but it was much different in the fact that you know there there were there were two comebacks, Barca's and Villarreal's, and it was just by the end it was almost just sort of a, a slapstick comedy show in that that added time the way it, way it sort of finished. And yeah, when the final whistle went, the five three, there was kind of a feeling that something. I mean, it's easy to say now, but at the time we were thinking it as well that something something was going to happen that this wouldn't be be sustainable. Now at the time, Barca were ten points behind Real Madrid. The next day they fell eleven behind. Girona, um, pretty quickly down in the, the press conference, you get a feel for when, when something's going on because these things happen quite quickly in general on, on La Liga games, not so much in Champions League games. The away manager's pretty much in and out. And then the first team, or the, the home team manager, sorry, doesn't take too long. But we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And it got to like an hour and 20 and it was, it was really unusual. You knew something, something was up at the same time. People are saying, you know, there's meetings taking place behind, behind the scenes or whatever, whether it's Javi with the board, whether it's the board talking about Javi. And then Javi stepped in with his wife, with his brother, and you knew. Well, my first thought was he's going he's gonna to resign now. And obviously what he said was, I've decided to step down at the end of the season in perhaps the last sort of ditch attempt to, to save this season. Not his reputation, because I'm sure we'll look back. Well, there will be a time to look back on, on what he's achieved. If he'd have gone now, it would have been a different conversation. But, you know, to give him a chance to go out on a high, I guess, as opposed to, you know, going out after a 5-3 loss at home to Villarreal. Well, the Spanish football podcast with Sid Lowe and Phil Kitsmilides, they, they brought up a question that I also wanted to answer here because I, I might take a slightly different approach to the answer. And I, I want to start with your answer, actually, to this question. Why now? And to your point, because you're sitting in that press conference, and I, I, I've been in pressers. I think the latest I've ever waited for any manager of any kind was, or coach, I should say, was 35, 40 minutes. And even that, that's because coaches just hate talking to people is generally what it is for me. And that's what I think usually think is going to be the case, the managers. And again, this is my level is much lower level than sitting at, at most week and waiting for Xavi. But I, it's usually just that the managers are taking their, their good old time and, and they're being difficult or, or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I, as you're sitting there and I, I think I would have the same approach that once it hits about 45 minutes, like, you know, that something is going to happen because something is happening behind the scenes. And eventually he will be there. But I, I, that's what I was thinking, too, when I first saw this, that to, to your point, why is, isn't it coming at the, uh, the end of the season? Why does Xavi do it in this way as opposed to saying, all right, it's actually time for me to leave now? Because the, the thing he said was that the club needed a change of direction. Uh, that was the, the real words he used, the, the cambio, like the, it, that with that change of direction, why does he feel like it's it's still him to guide the ship until the end of the season? But then that change of direction, you know, wasn't right to happen just now but it has to happen then yeah it's a good question I think it's hard to know because when when these events happen at Barcelona what tends to happen is you're getting told all different things from from all different corners and it's a little bit like piecing together a, a jigsaw puzzle obviously what Javi is sort of what's coming from from the Javi camp is that this was a decision he took after the Supercopa 
He said it was something he decided a few days ago. When he said that, I presume perhaps after the, the Copa del Rey game, but the, the briefing is that you know it was after the Super Copa and that was something he was going to announce later in the season. But it had to come out now because of you know the, the drama and the headlines which would have followed the, the Villarreal. I, I can believe that Javi was leaning that way if he'd seen the way he was saying things. And I think it's his way of taking control of the, the situation. Like you say, would it have been better to go now? It's a difficult question to, to answer. I don't... I don't think it would but not necessarily because it's not for the best just because of the financial situation you know Joanne Laporte has been very clear with journalists and and whatnot in on the record and off the record briefings that if Javi were to go Rafa Marquez would come in on an interim basis until the to the end of the season Um, so I don't think that's something that is perhaps massively appealing in terms of a, a, a change of direction or this change of course that that Barca need what Javi thinks is best for the club I think he does still think that he has a large part of the the club that well, the players behind him, not the club, the club and the players are obviously very different. I think he thinks that this can be an incentive or a galvanizing factor for the squad. I mean, at the end of the day, the players still want to have success, they know there's going to be a change. I've seen a lot of people saying that you know, not knowing who the manager is next season will be a bad thing and that they're, they're down tools. I mean, I can imagine that perhaps does happen later in the season, but while they've still got objectives, while they've still got to win a chance to, you know, if not win the Champions League, but do something important in the Champions League compared to what they've done in, in recent years. I can't see why the why the players wouldn't stick with Javi and perhaps, you know. The biggest concern is obviously Javi has not been able to turn things around this, this season over the last few months. And I guess the fact would be why would him saying he's leaving now going to change that? Yeah, it, to me, to almost a similar tone. I think the two best answers I've come up with as to why at the end of the season, not now, is that, Xavi gets to, as a club legend, as, as a player who, you know, un, not say that all managers don't want to try to protect their legacy, but Xavi, because he will forever be FC Barcelona, right? That was his dream job. I think leaving on his own accord and choosing the way that he wants to leave with that kind of time frame, not to say it's kind of, you can't obviously do a victory lap if you feel like you're also being forced out, but by leaving on your own accord, I, I think that he does believe that some of his legacy would be left intact. And I think that also by leaving on his own accord in this way, I think it also opens up because he was renewed 127 days ago, 100, whatever it was, 120, 129 days ago to 2025. So I, I think that this, especially the fact that he is what, 43, what did, how old is he? 43, 44, 45, 44. Yeah. It was his birthday on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So just turned 44. So I think at his age that leaves the door open for a return someday. Uh, once maybe he's gotten more experience or uh, you never know where the future is going to take you. So I think by leaving on a core, you know that he does love the club and I, not to go off on a little tangent here, but you know, I was thinking about this and I know a lot of people said that he probably came too early as a manager, which I think it's true in a way, but I'm also not entirely sold on that because I felt like he was the right man actually for where the squad was in 2021. And even last season, he made sense to me as a manager, the ideas that he was putting forward and the progress that he made. He took a team from ninth to second in 2021-22. And then last season did win two trophies, including La Liga by 10 points. But then this season, he did feel like the inexperienced coach that people were afraid of now going back two and a half years ago, which is a lifetime in football. And so now two and a half years, coupled to, what was he, three years in, in Qatar. Now he's got almost five to six years of, you know, first team managerial football under his belt. And yeah, I, I, the second part of that then uh, and to that, to that point about, about this season is that he still does have a lot to manage for. 
And I think he is still actually managing for part of his legacy to your point about the Champions League, because Barcelona not only is still alive in the Champions League, as crazy as that seems, and it does feel impossible. Like just the language that everyone's using, other than Xavi, who did say, you know, I'm going to be leaving even if we win the Liga and the Champions League. So again, you wouldn't expect a manager to close all doors with his, his language. But, you know, if he can still get Barcelona far enough in the Champions League that they snag that Club World Cup spot. And I know it seems like so uh, such a modicum of importance <laughs> to, to Barcelona, but getting that Club World Cup spot from Atleti, I think would matter for next season and, and their coach and their project, which is a based on a point system across different competitions. Don't have time to talk about here. Google that about the Club World Cup spots. And then due to Real Madrid and Girona already being knocked out of the Copa del Rey, that means that that Spanish Super Cup spot that I think Kool-Aid's feel like is always Barcelona's, that may not be theirs next season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, they obviously need a top two finish probably if you look at the, the Copa del Rey draw. So yeah, they need to finish yeah, top four for Champions League qualification, top two for, for Super Copa. And then like you say, I think the, their Champions League progress and a place in the Club World Cup is also dependent on how Atletico do, isn't it? Unless they go and win the Champions League and stranger things have happened. You're always cast back to Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea and uh, little fairy tale runs like that. So you can never say never in a knockout competition. Um, just to go back to sort of Javi and like you say, that initial process I actually think you know that I guess there was almost a freedom when you go to that that January transfer window when Alabama Yang and Alves and Ferran Torres came in up until the 4-0 win against Real Madrid that was probably in hindsight the most fun it watching Javi's Javi's Barca and there was a feeling that you know they were starting to play well that there was something to to be built the, the second season was obviously methodical solid and I think since then Javi's kind of been wrestling with his ideas, which I believe are the same as Barca's ideas, and the reality that perhaps being more solid, and he's obviously gone away from that this year. I think because they won the league last year, because they won the Supercoppa, he felt like there had to be an evolution when perhaps, I mean, we'll never know, and it's easy to say now, perhaps if they'd have perhaps stuck a little bit more to the way they got success last season. Obviously, look, there are massive nuances. They've not properly replaced Busquets since December. They've been without Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. You know, they've not had Gavi. So there are loads of little intricacies in there as well, which have obviously affected that. But I do feel like Javi has been been wrestling the expectations that he thinks there are on playing perhaps what he thinks would be the best way for for Barca to, to play and just the final thing on him saying I think there is perhaps also I mean I think we'd be naive not to think that all top sportsmen top coaches there's an element of ego or, or selfishism in there and even from like a fan point of view I, listeners may know I'm a Burnley fan I can watch Burnley 2-0 down play rubbish for 80 minutes against I don't know it could be anyone it could be Liverpool and in the back of my mind I'm always thinking you know get a goal here and you never know there's half a chance you nick something in in, in extra time so I think that optimism and that positivity that Javi has combined with the sort of what he has done as a player what he has won what he has achieved in in the game makes him think that if he makes this announcement why can't he go out and you know win the Champions League you know probably not win I mean they sound like such unrealistic expectations at the moment but in the back of his mind I'm, I'm sure he's thinking you know Real Madrid's next three games they're away at Hetafe then they've got Atletico and Girona you know teams are going to drop points Barca have got a favourable fixture list now if they win four out of four before Napoli who knows how the pitch is looking in in March I'm sure in the in the back of his mind he probably might not say it this way there's sort of that element of of ego involved as well in staying to the end of the season well this Barcelona team does score late goals and, and there has been since Xavi arrived a belief in him that just you felt it didn't exist with Koeman and with with Setien and, and with, with late stage Valverde about coming back. It just, it wasn't the case in the 70, 70th minute, 75th minute, but I think not to be a downer, but Xavi's biggest objective now throughout the rest of the season is to finish top four. Athletic Club drew Cadiz 0-0 yesterday. So Barca and Atleti still are two points clear of Athletic Club and they've both played one less game, but Athletic Club are still in the Copa and they'll have to even out shortly, but Athletic Club and Inés Valverde know exactly who they are. The identity is solidified. They know exactly who the personnel is. And of course, they're an injury or two away from also being in trouble. But top four is not guaranteed to Atletico Madrid or to Barcelona. So they're going to have to go out and earn it. And who knows? Real Sociedad might get in hot form. You never know what's going to happen throughout the rest of the uh, remainder of the league season. So kind of a similar question here for you. But I think the pressure uh, now to kind of divide what this means, because he didn't even tell the players before you heard it. So you knew 
then maybe the players might have heard it from you or from other journalists, or they obviously would have seen the press for themselves. But, you know, every day, and I, I totally understand why you would announce it now, because not only after the Villarreal match, but going in, it's, it's become, I think for everybody, exhausting. I mean, it's the same. You, you and I know the same thing very much, that our mentions and our, our threads, whatever it is, our comments on videos, on podcasts, Xavi out is just, it's every manager is, Kuman out, Valverde out, we've been doing this a while, that it, it's exhausting, it's draining, and whatever it feels for us, whatever it feels for us to receive tons of messages about whatever manager, time for them to leave, you know, regardless of what we think personally, it's tenfold to a hundred times that on the man that it's about, right? And he's hearing that from people who have much more credibility than Barca fan, 888-9999-888 on social media or whatever, right? But with the players and, and Xavi having every match to seem like they were fighting for his job. And I think now that that pressure, as you said, is finally gone, which of those parties, either Xavi or the players, do you think this announcement is going to help more for the, re- the remainder of the season? I think it helps Xavi probably more than the players. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if the players, I mean, what's the reaction going to be now if all of a sudden Barca start playing really well? Are we going to be, well, the players were, <laughs> were the ones to blame all along. They weren't playing very well and now all of a sudden they are. Um, and if they don't start playing well, then I guess the outcome is I'd probably be surprised if, if Javi lasts the season, if, you know, top four's in jeopardy, if they lose to Napoli or, or whatnot, and they'd have to have to shake things up. I think it's more of a liberation for, for Javi than the players. Um, it's obviously a distraction for, for players, but I think the players are better at isolating themselves. Javi is so Barca, he's so involved in the club that he's struggled to distance himself from the from the from the radio, from the from the newspapers, from the reports, from everything, and step away from it. Whereas I think the players, in general, the majority of them are quite sort of good at that. They're away from it every now and again. I mean, they do far less, far less, far less media than Javi. You know, they, maybe the average player does media once every three games, four games, depending on who the player is. Some more than others, and occasionally they'll get asked a question about Javi at the end of three or four questions and say, "Look, no, we support him," etc. Um, I think that's when it's the most sort of pressure when you're speaking to them, when you're being questioned about it. I think internally it's not. Um, so I think is yeah this decision, even though Javi said it's you know reduces the tension for the players, which I do agree with. I think it's more of a liberation for him, at least in the sort of the next few weeks as it's been sort of diverts the attention away from any any debate or arguments about whether he should stay on. Well, talking about that and Torno for a second here, Xavi knew more than anyone else coming in the pressure of the Barcelona job. Uh, since Johan Cruyff, when he was manager from 88 to 96, no manager has stayed at Barcelona for more than five years. The longest tenured was Frank Reichardt for five years, and then it was Guardiola for four, Luis Enrique and Louis van Gaal for three years, and then Valverde and Xavi for two and a half. And, and that's how quickly he, that managers come and go at Barcelona. But do you think that for Xavi, after all his time as a player, and having felt, I always date back to it, that Iniesta, Xavi, I think the, when we go back to the revisionist history stuff, and Graham Hunter always has good stuff on this, that Messi wasn't truly, even if he was leaving on loan, the future of Messi was always at Barcelona. I mean, that's how McCurl of a talent he was. But both Xavi and Iniesta, they were so close. I mean, this close to those, th- those loans. And who knows if they were ever going to come back from those loans. And, and Xavi, that loan, I believe, was right after he was recovering from that long injury as well, which he felt like the fans did not support him in. So Xavi, even as a young player, was ready to, to leave. But then, of course, he, he becomes one of the greatest midfielders of all time and all that. But you felt like as a player, he fully understood the Entorno. You heard the way he spoke about Barcelona. 
in returning that he understood the, the interno. But after Jordy Croy left, in comes Deco. And it seems to me that the underlying truth that Xavi was also never Laporta's first choice. Do you think that at the end of it all, that that noise was still, the interno was still a surprise to Xavi after all of that? Like for a man that seemed fully, completely prepared for the noise and pressure of the Antorno, still after it all was surprised at the noise and pressure of the Antorno. I think, yes, surprise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say complete surprise, but an element of surprise. I think there is knowing about it and experiencing it, which are different things. Obviously, he did experience it as a young player, but I think that's different to experiencing it as the, as the coach. Also, we kind of have, I mean, I guess not everyone is the same, but we kind of have selective memories and tend to remember the more positive things. Javi certainly sort of preaches that he's very positive and remembers the positive things. So perhaps, you know, we're talking sort of 20 years ago now, we sort of 2003, 2004 at the time when he was touted to leave, not coming into the team before, before Rijkaard come in and before the, the Guardioli years. So perhaps he doesn't have a full memory of, I mean, I, I can't remember how bad it was for him at the time, but perhaps he doesn't, I mean, and it probably would have been completely different to being coach. So perhaps it was a completely different experience. So I think, yeah, I think it's just a case of different different experience when you're in the hot seat. But also, I mean, he loves Barca. He played for Barca. Everyone told him he was going to be the Barca coach, that he was, you know, the next big best thing to, to coach Barca. He turned it down twice. There was probably an element of waiting for the right time. He decided it was the right time. He knew what was to come. Has he been surprised since? Yes, I think probably a little bit. But it is what it is, to, to quote a famous, famous Barca saying these days. Well, let me ask you, and it's totally fair, uh, very much like myself, you weren't necessarily around 20 years ago on this beat, but do you feel like even when he was a player again, 20, as a young player 20 years ago, do you feel like at least in the media or the the Catalan, not necessarily the board or Laporta, but the the people around the club, when when we say in Torno, right, we're talking about the press, we're talking about, you know, the men in suits who both are with Barcelona, but you know, also have some kind of role in in high Catalan society. Do you feel like the Entorno of Barcelona is still kind of being uh, almost puppeteered by an older generation? Or do you feel like the Entorno of Barcelona and, and maybe Laporta just returning to the fold is part of this, but do you think the Entorno, uh, it just continues to kind of be this machine that crunches down these managers, whether we're talking about Nunez and Cruyff in 1990, or we're talking about, uh, Xavi in 2024, or we're talking about Guardiola in 2012 or 2011. You know, do you, do you feel like it's it, it's an older generation still, or do you think it is merely just the environment, which is what Antonio is, but the environment just continues to be sustained the same way, regardless of who the journalists or outlets are? I think in general, it's just the environment. I mean, it's just it isn't it is just so in, intense, even when things. Are going well as we saw with Guardiola it just it just wore him him down the fact there's constantly stuff going on there's constantly you know agendas you know just in Javi's time for example there's been all the Negrera stuff the you know the Real Madrid stuff over the last couple of weeks it's just constant it is you can see why it's exhausting it's exhausting to to cover it you know you get up and you think there's nothing going on and then all of a sudden they find something that is going on I think there's just no control to the to Barca that the to the same level and I try not to, to reference Real Madrid as a comparison, but you kind of have to when you see how sort of, <laughs> for good reasons or wrong reasons, Florentino Perez kind of keeps that ship in slightly slightly better order. The problem that Barca have is the infighting, and that infighting has carried on beyond just generations. I think the main, the main culprits probably are still, as you say, 
you know the the remnants of the older generations and the, and the fighting and the hope is that that can sort of disappear as the as we sort of progress through the years now but I think also in general it is just the way the club is at the moment there's there's there is an air of, of toxicity always isn't there well, I do feel like, Sam, to, to, to your point, I, I think for us to create content and talk about this stuff and are writing and speaking about this kind of stuff, it's interesting because I do compare the headlines and the topics that your podcast and, then, and, and my show, the things that I talk about or the things that I have to fit in, the news I have to jam in, and I'll compare it to the Real Madrid shows, right? I do, I do keep one eye on the content that Real Madrid shows, in English speaking, I mean, that are producing. And I, it's so funny because I think for the content that you guys make and that, that I make, I feel like we have a hard time even to the point about Negrera and about all that stuff. We have a hard time jamming it all in. We're for Real Madrid. I'll look at the titles and the headlines and the talking points. And I'm like, it's, there's so much more viewed on, Oh, what is Betty Valverde's role this season? Or what is, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like the, the depths of how they're, how far down they get to go in detail is much easier because they're not just, it seems like with us, we're constantly, playing dodgeball and just batting off this topic and this topic and this topic. And even at the end of this show, I can say it now, but we don't have any time in this show to get to Lucas Bergball, possibly already being over the line for the summertime uh, by next week. Alejandro Balde prioritizing his long-term future with surgery and missing the rest of the season. And then Balde's absence and what that could have meant for an FFP exception for Barca, like Gabi Adida Roque for Barca to bring in a midfielder who at this point, because you and haven't said any names, I haven't seen any other names. So I figured when Laporta said Edgar Davies, he actually meant 50-year-old Edgar Davies because I haven't seen any other names. But so we can, that, that news, we're not even going to really t talk about or, or break down at all because at this point in the show, Sam, people obviously want to talk about the early who's next candidates more than anything else. But I think we are a ways away from that. And well, obviously we are. We're still six months away. Xavi is in charge till June 30th. But uh, also the men available and more importantly, I think the men who are currently not available who might be on January 29th, that will all change by June 30th. But in truth, you really want the new man coming in that day so we can hit the ground running as preseason kicks off and usually that, that following week. So you would want your, your new man to come in, at least be in the office, talking to Laporta, talking to Deco, talking to the board by what, the second week of June, the first week of June, and have that wrapped up by the end of June, signing that contract on July 1st and the preseason kicking off the next week. Oh yeah, definitely by June. I was thinking maybe before, I think obviously it depends on how the, how the season pans out. You don't want it to become a massive distraction if Barca is still competing on you know, various fronts or have important objectives. But I think you know, by sort of end of April, May time, it would help if the, if the club know and the you know, planning doesn't happen for the summer in June and July. It happens between now and the summer. Although how much the say the coach will have in the planning is obviously a, Another issue altogether when you see the structure at Barca, but yeah, I think they want someone. Yeah, before June, they want a name in a name in place, someone who's who's going to take over. And I think I think they will. I don't I don't think it's going to take them. Look, I don't think it's going to be anything immediate, especially in terms of an announcement. But I think by the time we get to April, May time, if not before, um, depending on if Barca is still in the Champions League, what's going on in La Liga, we'll have a pretty clear idea who the next Barca coach will be, even if it's not even if it's not official. All right, Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot. Unfortunately, you're a professional, you're a podcast host, you're a great writer, and I know you can handle this. We're going to do zero to 10, 10 being most likely, zero being not likely at all. And I'm going to say a name of all of these candidates, and you give me a general, you could even say four to six. Or if you don't want to do it, you could say pass, 
and then I'll take the burden and then see but, how it goes. But this is just based on the level of realism that I think could happen. Not, yeah, what, yeah, I, based... well, not, not what I would love to see, for example. Correct, <laughs> correct, because I have my own, yeah, right, because I don't think that is the world that, unfortunately, Barcelona is going to be operating in because of the managers that they're even still paying. I mean, remember, even last season, they were still in court over Kike Setting. I'm not sure if that that's even all fully done and dusted. But okay, so the the first name that I, I think that we saw, I'm not sure how what that maybe Tony even was was on top of this one, but uh Real Sociedad's manager, Imanol Aguasil. Like, like I would say like a three or a four. I think people probably do like him, but I just I, I don't doesn't feel like a, a Laporta appointment at this at this moment. I wouldn't yeah, a three or a four, five at the highest. I felt like I did. I said a similar number because if if Martin Zubamendi isn't forcing his way out, why would his manager, who brought up all those players, also be forcing? His way? I think Real Sociedad they truly believe in their project, and it's a lot harder to pull them away than it was back when what was it uh, when Vicaro and that whole crop for Cruyff was pulled away from Real Sociedad. That Real Sociedad is different than this Real Sociedad. Yeah. Okay. And as you uh, said, with the Setien thing, uh, Imanol is obviously one of the coaches who's going to come up on this list who has a contract. So when a coach has mm-hmm. a contract, it involves a payout, which obviously makes it already more, more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I think this next guy falls on this list too. Um, the Zarbi from Brighton. Probably have him at a similar level. Maybe, maybe, yeah, similar level to four. Four, four. I don't, I don't, I don't see it, but I don't, I wouldn't completely rule it out. I think, you know, look how much Chelsea had to play to get Potter out of Brighton as well. So on that basis, I'd say, say really, really low. But going to a club that's not in the Premier League to Barcelona is a different sort of thing for Brighton to negotiate than to losing someone to a Premier League rival. It's obviously, you know, Barca is obviously seen as, you know, a one-off opportunity. So there may be there may be some sort of leniency there in that sense with with Brighton while while remaining business savvy. But I'm not convinced again that he would be one of the initial top targets. But I also don't have a clue who's saying that, who the initial top targets would be. Well, that's interesting because I actually went the, the opposite logic with the Premier League idea because my thinking was an Italian manager. We just talked about the Catalina Interno. So I, I'm an Italian manager in the Premier League coming to Barcelona instead of staying in the Premier League just doesn't, it just historically doesn't, isn't that's not what happens. Like the Italian manager is taken for big money either to go to Italy or return to Italy, if you will or to stay in the Premier League. Uh, all right, the next one. We knew that Laporta, when he took over, that German managers, we never heard names, but the idea of German managers was thrown at us. So the next two I'll, I'll put in tandem, and you can give individual numbers you want, but I think it's a similar number. Hansi Flick, who's currently out of contract, and Julian Nagelsmann, who I believe his contract ends over the summertime or after the Euros, whatever it is. After the Euros, yeah. I mean, I'll give Hansi Flick, I probably... I don't actually, I'm, I'm not convinced he will be the next Barcelona manager, but out of the options, I kind of feel like I should give him the highest mark at the moment um, because he's available. Yeah. <laughs> because Laporta phoned him up previously in the election campaign to see about his plans and is known to, to like him. I guess the doubt comes from the lack of success he had with Germany after what he did with, with Bayern. Otherwise, you know, if he'd done well with Germany and gone out on a high, perhaps I'd be putting this slightly higher, but I'd maybe have him around, you know, sort of 6.5 at the moment. And I probably won't put many people much higher than, than that, if anyone. Um, but at the same time, that's, even though that's me saying he's the favourite at the moment, I don't, I, I, well, I haven't got a clue. 
Yeah, well, uh, pretty much after this point now, with uh, and I put Nagelsmann much lower than that. I put him at like a two even uh, for, for Nagelsmann. I just think that's going to be thrown out by next week. Um, all right, so these, these next candidates, I think you've already said you're six and a half. And to that point, I think everybody else is a three or less. So um, Thiago Mata, I, I mean, he himself has already said, I mean, but okay, yeah, exactly. Right. So now do we want to, you want to flirt with a five there? With, with Thiago Mata is an interesting one. Yeah, I've got no real knowledge of how his Bologna side play apart from what I've sort of looked at the last couple of days it's just an interesting one because of how the club works look him and him and Deco are from the same place in Brazil they played for Barca together they're they're good friends um it would be a low-cost option I don't know how it would translate you know he's obviously played for Barca it can be sold that way I know that in the the polls in sport and Mundo Deportivo he's not not featuring highly among the the fans, but I just think because of all those things and because we know how Barca work and because of the perhaps financial difficulties they have finding a coach, I just wouldn't completely rule him out. So yeah, I'd probably have him around sort of 4.5. Yeah, the interesting thing about Diego Mata is I remember when he took the 20, in 2018, he took the U19 PSG job where he had played as, as a player. And I remember a bunch of articles, but maybe it's just getting as a former player, but uh, I remember a bunch was written about how very much like Xavi Alonso when he took over Real Sociedad, uh, the U19s, that he was being very, very progressive, not even progressive, but I mean, this he new ideas with the goalkeeper, with the formations. But then once he moved to Girona, failed at Girona in, in a way, and then he moves to Spezia in 2021. And that again, it goes well enough that he moves to Bologna, but it's just like since that time, since he was playing with the with, with the U19s, he hasn't really set the world on fire and been on the same trajectory that Xabi Alonso is on. And I think if that was the same case, well, obviously, Bayern Leverkusen and Xabi Alonso have a story, but even if it was a similar trajectory, I think we're having a different conversation here. All right, Klopp, I I, I mean, I put this one at a one. Is this a 0.5? I mean... Yeah, but I mean, I put it as, as a one because of Klopp, not because of Barca. Mm. <laughs> I think right. Barca would go out of their way to, to appoint him, but I think... I find it very hard to believe Klopp would leave Liverpool and go straight into a job having walked out of his contract at Liverpool. I feel like that would create all sorts of problems. And I think he does genuinely want a, a break. I mean, well, we just talked about all the Barcelona managers that have said, I'm burned out for this, even though I love this club and I'm Catalan. And then to have Klopp say, I'm too tired for Liverpool to, to jump into. I mean, I was talking with a friend about this. I, I mean, to your view, is Manchester United and Barcelona the most we'll say hornet's nest of a environment. I mean, I think those are the two as, of, as far as the pressure of a manager, how exhausting being a manager is. I feel like Man United and Barca are one and two in the world. I think that Barca is on another level to Manchester United, but they probably are the, the top two. I mean, you can put Madrid in there as well when, when things go, go wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just think in Spain, especially, and in Barcelona, the, the media scrutiny and the, the amount of local media outlets and journalists is is on another level to in England, where there's a more sort of national national reporting than opposed to to local reporting. True. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Thomas Tuchel, and even though he's in charge of Bayern Munich, weird weird comments was it two days ago or yesterday about about Spain and about how he loves working with Spaniards and and stuff like that. So I mean, maybe his comments make this a five, but before that, I would have. I would have said like a two, but then he says that weird thing. So yeah, I've, I've, yeah, Bayern have released a statement about that, saying that it was it's been basically been twisted. He was at a 
it was like a school's event and he spoke about all different things and there were Spanish kids there and they were like, do you want to come and would you like Spanish people? Do you want to come and coach in Spain? And he made these, so it wasn't as sort of, I made the mistake as well and I spoke on the podcast. I've only seen the buy-in statement since I said about him saying that. Um, but yeah, apparently there was slightly some context to it. But even before these comments, I have seen and read lots of stuff from people who cover Bayern who say like, you know, Tuchel's future is not guaranteed beyond this season. The relationship between him and Bayern isn't the best. I guess the problem is he has a contract with with Bayern. I don't know until when. So if Bayern know Barca are, are sort of headhunting him or trying to tap him up, then perhaps that would come into it in terms of how, how they want money. If he was to be sacked by Bayern before the end of the season, then I think he would be very much short of up there with uh, the Hansi Flick numbers, if if not higher. Um, but because he's got that contract, because he's buy-in, future isn't certain for now. I'll put him around sort of four. An interesting outsider, but it's yeah, it's conditional of 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 what he does this season. Yeah, and I also think that you know it's interesting that in every generation of managers, you have those ones who you're like, oh, if you were to retire that manager as a representative of a club. And it, for Thomas Tuchel, it's so interesting because he's done Chelsea and PSG and Bayern Munich, but he really has been just a top-level, basically manager for hire, right? Like he's almost mercenary who's not connected to any specific club uh, for any amount of time, but he's been at all the big stops. And so I, I think I keep I open the idea that if, if Bayern Munich, and if they don't win the Liga, I mean, uh, sorry, Bundesliga, right? Because it seems like I mean, they, they're not on pace to, and if they don't win that, I mean, then that makes Tuchel special in a, a way that he doesn't want to be at Bayern Munich. Um, next one. And kind of to the point of whoever you said it was, uh, Agassiz or, or Desarbi, uh, Michel for Girona. I think the Barcelona version, I almost give us an eight, but on the Michel and the city group version of this, I'd say it's almost a two or a three. It's a weird one because I don't quite understand why, but there seems to be an undercurrent of that. that it just, yeah, it just doesn't interest either party that Michel is not massively sort of flirting or encouraging Barca's interest and in that Barca also don't see Michel as a fit. I mean, I guess, look, so far, he's what's he done? He's taken Rayo Vallecano and, and Huesca up to La Liga, but was then sacked. He's done an amazing job with Girona last season. They came 10th this season. How they play is incredible. I love watching Girona. This isn't me. This isn't my opinion. But I guess from Barca's opinion, are they perhaps thinking, well, you know, these things can happen one season. It would be a risk to appoint him. I don't know. Um, I, the way his Girona side plays has elements, I would say. It's not completely a Barca style, but it has elements of what I would have liked to have seen Javi do in terms of inventiveness at at times. I mean, the peak perhaps being, you know, the use of Miguel Gutierrez in that game against Barca back in in December at, at Montjuic, little things like that, the way he sort of uses Eric and Arnaud Martinez and Yankuto on the on the right, the way he sort of sets his teams up has been been really good. I think he'd be an interesting option. But yeah, I don't don't see it happen. I'd give it probably like a two. All right, the next guy, it's either a zero or a 10. There's no in between. Jose Mourinho. Oh, it's a zero. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's a zero. <laughs> you see, he came into Barcelona last week. That was like peak Jose Mourinho. Jorge Mendes sort of fluffing stuff around. Or oh, get a story out there of Jose Mourinho being in Barcelona. Surely not. If that's not a zero, I'm going to, I don't know what I'll do. I don't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be a bit like, I mean, you and I are in trouble. Jose Mourinho, there's one manager for Barcelona that can even come after us. Like that. It's, it's Jose Mourinho. He knows love English. So uh, then last one here, and this is the one I tweeted about, that if I had a pick, it'd be this guy. It'd be Garcia Pimienta. I said, if I was, in, if I was the president of Barcelona, he would be my nine. But because in 2021, he was let go for Sergi Barzuan from Laporta, and he's built Las Palmas into what they are, 
But I just, with relationships being the way they are, and we just talked about that pressure, I can't imagine. And, and you know, people argued with me about this. That if Barcelona comes calling, a, a basically a, a lifelong, because that's what he was before Las Palmas, a lifelong Barcelona guy dating all the way back to, what was he? He was one of the younger managers on that 1987 cadet op team with Messi and PK and Fabregas. Um, so for him to basically be a lifelong Barcelona manager, for him to be let go in 2021, but when they come calling, is that enough to come back? But it just feels like, it feels like he will be there very much like Xavi. I feel like Garcia Pimienta will return someday, but not with Laporte in charge. So like, again, I, I put that very high in the future, but I, I just like, for now, I mean, I, I, I must put it like a three because of the fact that if he returns to that, if he returns to Barcelona and takes over that job with Laporte as the president, it must feel like he already has half of a foot already back out the door because the minute something goes wrong by October, November next season, he knows that he, I mean, he was dead man walking the first time. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com yeah, it's interesting. Rick, Rick actually said on the podcast today that I don't think he said that Garcia Pimienta would definitely be his number one, t- one pick, but he said that the more he thinks about it, the more he feels like it's perhaps, the, like you say, the best option out of all the names that have come up. Rick's a smart guy. I mean, that's why. I mean, Rick's a smart guy. He knows what he's been on the show too. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I just think that because of the manner of his dismissal from Laporta, I just think there's too many cracks there. I don't think he's strong enough to sort of you know the first signs of cracks or, or problems to sort of manage manage things with with the with the board or with the the media perhaps if things don't go brilliantly from the start and he's easily dispensable it doesn't feel as much as I, I would like that to be a possible appointment and to work I feel like it comes with a lot of risks and I think Laporte is probably looking for someone who can be a little bit str- stronger if that makes sense yeah and I think the the, the big point here is that um, and I think the argument that you and I both know in covering this team that Barcelona, the draw of Barcelona being the manager of Barcelona, like we've gone through these, these, these managers and we haven't even figured out one that we were felt comfortable, you know, saying makes sense to us at this point, let alone what actually makes sense for the club. And I think the two camps is that I think I've heard a lot of, especially here in the U S like pundits or people who aren't really fully comfortable with 
Liga or Spain or whatever. They've just said that, you know, who would want that job now? Think even almost like an American job. But Barcelona is a huge job. And I think any manager worth their salt, including Jose Mourinho, would think, I can fix it. I can be the difference. Definitely you know, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> well, of course. But I'm saying is even Tuchel, Michel, um, Desarbi, I think any of those managers, Flick, anybody's going to come into Barcelona and say, this is a huge job. This is a legacy-defining job. And I can fix this. You know, I mean, I know like the, the people on the dating app say it, it's always that, you know, like I can fix him or I can fix her. And I think any manager who believes in himself is going to say that I, well, if I was the change, I can be, you know, Xavi said change of direction. I think any manager is going to say I can be the difference. But as much as I think the manager matters, the last question I have for you, Sam, I think is the biggest one, maybe for the future of the club. How important is it for Laporte and Deco to get this next manager right for the sake of their futures? Or is the future's future, I mean, is Laporte's future tied solely, you think, to the club's finances and the stadium project? Like, are we underwhelming how important that is for the socios to what, you know, how the club's finances and the stadium project can be turned out? No, it's a winning, right? I, let's, just, let's just be logical and real about it, right? It's about the winning. Yeah, I mean, the, if the stadium is a massive screw-up and if finances get worse and worse, then yeah, it can have an effect. But... It all comes down to to what happens on on the pitch, basically. So yeah, this is this next appointment is yeah, it's huge for for Laporta and Deco. And if it goes wrong, if you know by October, November, December, Barca are struggling in the Champions League out of the title race, and you're talking about sacking another coach, all of a sudden the the spotlight falls straight away on 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 Joanne Laporta because what it would be his. I mean, I guess Kuman wasn't his his coach, but it'd be a third coach, and yeah. So it's yeah, it's a mass, it's a massive massive appointment. And I don't. I can have qualms about how they're going to make the appointment, the process they will undergo, and perhaps the fact they lean too much on certain advisors or intermediaries as opposed to perhaps thinking 100% what's best for the club. But I think, yeah, I don't envy making this decision because we've just been through that list and it's really hard to, you know, hone in on one name and say, yeah, this is the guy that's going to be a perfect fit. I mean, even if, you know, for me, I'll, I'll tell you the name. You didn't mention one of the names that Tony mentioned, actually. But for me, when we went through that list and Rick said about Pimiento, I said the, the dream... the Dream picking may be ex, sort of a bit of an exaggeration, but the one I would like to see, and I've given it a one, would be Jurgen Klopp, for example. But even that, even if we say that was like a, he would come, he wouldn't have a sabbatical, even that doesn't feel like it's an instant success. I mean, coaching Barca is very different to coaching Liverpool. He doesn't get the same patience he got at, got at Liverpool. There's the, the language issue, there's his personality issue, how that chokes with the board or, or whatnot. So yeah, I mean, it's so, so difficult to pick a Barcelona coach. So I do have some sympathy and I hope that Laporta and Deco can can get it right. Tony's pick, by the way, who was probably not someone who would get the job either, but he said he would go all after Andoni Areola. To because uh, he's currently at Bournemouth. Yeah, he's turned that he's done a good job so far. And you feel like he is affordable. That would be part of I think that that discussion. But I mean, even even Bournemouth might be outside of Barca's price range uh, price range at the moment. But so instead of doing, you know, thankfully this was more about the, the news and the future more than it was about an obituary for Xavi's time as a manager. Because again, we're going to be writing that obituary for, for six months now or that eulogy, I guess to say, you know, not the obituary, but the eulogy for Xavi's managerial time at Barcelona, at least the first time I put quotes around that. Um, and, and I do think that Kool-Aid's and most fans in sports, I found they do get into the habit of not appreciating people while they're around and only appreciating once they're gone. I mean, we do that in life too, right? But you don't, you don't reckon you don't enjoy the good times until they, they were the old times or whatever the, the phrase is. But and I, even recently, Busquets, Alba, I'd say Rakitic, Ernesto Valverde, those are all the recent examples. 
And I think Xavi, honestly, will likely be the latest in that camp, depending on what happens next. But I even think that even with two and a half years, depending again, top at least as long as he finishes top four, the fact that if he does top four and he does, and he did make it past the group stage for the first time in three years. So I do feel like with the two trophies and the way he picked up the team, the second in 2021, 22, I do feel like we are going to say, all right, we're going to appreciate Xavi more as a manager, even after he's gone. Yeah. For, for, I don't, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because he's not appreciated at all now, is he? And that's one of the things he said. It's an unpleasant job at times, and you feel like there's a, a lack of respect. I mean, the cold hard facts, as long as he doesn't, you know, just the club don't disgrace themselves between now and the end of the season are he saved Barca in his first season in charge. There was the 4 0 Classico win, which, you know, Classico wins always go down in in history. There were some some really good performances. They built on that the second season. Um, yeah, I think in, like you say, in five years we probably won't remember that it was you know they were winning one nil every week we remember that they won the league by 10 points that they won the supercoppa and yeah and then it just faded out in the the third year it certainly won't be seen as a, a catastrophe and you know winning la liga Barca's first la liga in well for four years by the time by the time they won it was obviously a, a success and achievement so yeah he'd be remembered as i think a, a, a good manager in that moment i mean i guess probably how he's judged depends on on what comes after as well a little bit in terms of you know if Barca now go on to amazing things then perhaps would be a little bit like oh maybe they were underachieving a little bit if they have problems it might be a little bit like I don't know Manchester United with Solskjaer when you're right Solskjaer actually didn't do too bad obviously he didn't win as much or he didn't win a league or anything but he came second to City and stuff and you you look back since things have not improved and go he was actually doing doing a lot better than than we thought given the the state of the club's finances and, and everything that was going on off the off the pitch well the team doesn't have too much time to even lick their wounds on this or to emotionally figure anything out because they're back at it on wednesday and they need points Uh, they need points again keep pace on top four and you know crazier things have happened but uh you know real madrid and and girona now girona would you say uh, 12 points now and real madrid 11 so 11 and 10 yeah 11 and 10 that that is a lot of points and it's already february so by the time that match happens and so yeah, there's a lot going on. So as exhausting as it is for a Barcelona manager, I know it is uh, triple as difficult to uh, be a, not only around the club, but to be reporting and to making content around the club, Sam. So I not only appreciate all of your time, but just again, I usually tell people where to find you, but where are the, the, the best things and, and the things that you're working on right now? Yeah, well, just, yeah. Um, Siempre Positivo is the podcast with with Rick and Tony and as we've discussed here there's always I mean there's probably not enough Barcelona English language content out there <laughs> based on how much stuff is happening and how much stuff you you need to listen to understand it all um so yeah that's the that's the main place. Legal podcast. I, I think you know I always say this like they always we need somebody to supplement ours because you guys have your stuff because you guys have the inside sources and then I have my stuff uh that I try to bring on the Peñas and we try to do a little more community stuff here and then we need like a legal analyst podcast that just works on the Guerra case and things. Cause honestly I've tried, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many Spanish documents I've tried to translate, understand in from Spanish courses. And I'm just like, what am I happening? I don't even have a U.S. legal degree. I'm talking to lawyers here in the U S and lawyers in Spain. I'm like, what does my life come to? And it's, it's the existential crisis of, of, of covering Barcelona. It, it is what it is. It's crazy. Yeah. Spanish, Spanish legal lexicon and injury lexicon is just unnecessarily long. <laughs> right. Even understanding how, how, um, what it, the terms will, the, the conditions of the injury will determine the, the length of the, whatever it is, but all right. So you can, again, follow Sam and 
follow the temporary uh, positivo they're on spotify all the other podcasts as well as their special podcasts available just on their patreon um at least once a week so twitter uh, then they're also on twitter instagram all the places you find me and again most of my listeners also there's a lot of overlap again on patreon and while you're on patreon following them also follow me on patreon as well post facebook group for me and then get a good rating for both of us on the podcast app subscribing to my youtube channel that's all the ways to help everybody out and as always until next time everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.